0: Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible Talks to Help You Mature as a Follower of Jesus by Pastor Dom Theocco.
1: Well, I've never met anyone whose favourite book is Numbers. Uh, As an ex-accountant, I suppose I could get a little excited about a book in the Bible named after some digits. But I hope as we tackle this part of God's Holy Word that you will get excited about what God has to teach us. Here's a series of Bible Talks for Meals for Maturity from this often neglected part of God's Holy Word. The first thing I want to say about the fourth book in our Bibles is that it's been given a terrible name. I mean, why would you ever call a book about words, Numbers? Far better to call it, as it appears in the Hebrew Bible, as In the Wilderness or The Wilderness Wanderings. Now that's a title worth getting excited about, I think. So Into the Wilderness We Wander, along with Moses and the people of Israel, But I promise this series won't go for 40 years. I've called the series Travelling Home the Faithfulness of God in the book of Numbers. Today's an intro talk as I tend to do for an opening series and today this intro talk is really about a travel itinerary and today I want to tackle five simple questions concerning the book of Numbers. The first question is where are we in this part of the Old Testament storyline? So where are we in the Bible? Secondly Is there a structure, is there an outline to the 36 chapters? So what's the structure? What's the outline? What does it look like? Third question, what are the main themes we can learn about? What is it that's the big things in this book of Numbers? Fourth question, what should we expect from Numbers? In other words, what do we do with it? And the fifth question is, do I have a favourite number? Well, yes, it's the number seven, God's number of perfection. It also used to be my soccer shirt number. Uh, Manchester United legends Brian Robson, Eric Cantona, Cristiano Ronaldo, they all had number seven on their jersey. Anyway, first question, where are we in this part of the Old Testament? Well, it's the fourth book of what's called the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of Moses and the law. So automatically we're linked into the promises of Abraham going back to Genesis chapter 12. Just briefly, in Genesis we find God telling us everything we need to know about the creation, his creation and the fall of mankind into sin and then the call of his people right up until the birth of Moses. And then comes the book of Exodus, the birth of Moses, this glorious deliverance of God's people from Egypt out of slavery and then the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And then comes Leviticus, which I'd love to preach on as well. This highlights the true nature, uh, the nature of true worship and holiness that God expects from his now redeemed people and so we come then to the fourth book to numbers to the wilderness wanderings the journey of god's people to the promised land remember through one man god makes some extraordinary promises of land of people and blessing abraham is the recipient of god's grace at this point in time back in genesis 12 and then through one man god delivers his people out of slavery out from the land of egypt and moses is the recipient of God's grace at this point. And so we now find ourselves in the wilderness, in the desert region of the Middle East, and we're watching how does God deliver on these promises to Abraham, his promises to Moses. And in lots of ways, what we have across this Bible book is a story, it's a narrative about ancient Israel's spiritual pilgrimage. And we're always to be asking the question as we read through this book, will Israel get to the promised land? So that's the bigger picture, that's the greater context uh, to this Bible book. Second question I want to ask, is there a structure, is there an outline to uh, to this book? Well, yes, and it's a pretty simple one in the scheme of things. At least I want to keep it simple, unless I was a Bible college lecturer setting my students a research project, and then we can make it really, really complex. But quite simply, I want us to think of numbers, the wilderness wanderings, like a travel diary. Now, we all like to make travel plans. Don't we organise some sort of itinerary? Hope the borders don't close or the airline go bust or or Jetstar has enough fuel to take off. Uh, We organise our itinerary, get our tickets, then we pack our bags and off we go on the journey. Well, the book of Numbers is like that. It's a journey that we will travel alongside Moses as our tour guide. So here's the lonely planet guide to the 36 chapters of this Old Testament story. Chapter 1. Uh, Right through to chapter 10, verse 10, gives us Israel, the people of God, and they're camped around Mount Sinai. They've just been given the Ten Commandments, so we can have blockbuster movies made, I suppose. And then chapter 10, verse 11, to chapter 20, verse 13, so 10 chapters, shows us Moses and the people of Israel wandering around a place called Kadesh Barnea and then into the Sinai Desert. For around 40 years. And this forms the bulk of the narrative, as we'll see. And then from chapter 20, verse 14, to chapter 36, the Israelites travel from Kadesh Barnea to the plains of Moab, where they then get set to enter the Promised Land. So think of our travel diary in three geographical segments Mount Sinai, Kadesh Barnea, and the plains of Moab. And any Bible atlas or the map at the back of your Bible will show you all these places. They're real places, you see, on God's real earth, for this is a real story happening in a real time and place. Another way to get an outline of the 36 chapters is maybe to think in terms of two generations of Israelites. Remember the first generation comes out of Egypt, having witnessed God's remarkable exodus of his people, and then this generation, led by Moses, They wander about in disobedience in the wilderness and they fail to enter the promised land. And then the second generation of Israelites, this time led by Joshua and having witnessed God's faithfulness to their parents through the wilderness, they now prepare to enter the promised land. So I hope that helps you get your head around the structure and outline of these 36 chapters. Third question, what are the main themes we can learn about? from this book in the Bible. Well, if you like your roast lamb with peas, then picture five peas that are left there on your plate. But that's a good way to summarize five main themes or doctrines that you'll find across this Bible book. They all start with the letter P, five P's: the presence of God, the providence of God, the patience of God, the promises of God, and the people of God. So presence, providence, Patience, promises, and the people of God. Sadly, there's no pool, though in the desert this might have helped them, and there's no pizza, unless you think of manna as a good pizza base. But there's five Ps, and as we go through this series of Bible talks, we'll keep coming back to these P themes again and again, especially since we'll be spending a long time wandering around in the desert. But for now, I just want to briefly touch on each of these P's just to introduce them. So the presence of God, that's a huge theme in this book. God prom- promises to be their shepherd and he will be really their true guide. His abiding presence with his people in this travel on this travel journey is seen clearly in a few ways. So the tabernacle represents God dwelling among his people. One writer calls the tabernacle God's portable Sinai. And then there's a reference in the book of Numbers to the cloud and the fire, proving to God's people that God's presence is always with them as they travel. Secondly, the providence of God. Well, Yahweh, the Lord God, is always providing for his people, even when they sometimes don't deserve so. His providence is seen in so many ways with food, water, shelter, clothing, footwear, protection, sunscreen maybe. And God's providence is also displayed by his provision of the Old Testament priesthood. And we'll come back to that one as well. Thirdly the patience of God despite constant grumblings and complaints by all of God's people including their leaders Moses and Aaron and the tribal heads they're sort of like a, a teenager going on a holidays with with the family but he or she certainly doesn't want to sit in a car for hours traveling so there's constant complaints and grumblings or maybe a younger child in the back seat whining away are we there yet are we there yet Well, Israel, you see, will find a way to complain to God about almost everything. They complain about their food, especially the lack of variety in their diet. If you know uh, Keith Green, the great Keith Green song, So I Want to Go Back to Egypt, that pretty much captures their whinging. Manna again, manna burgers, manna bagels, manna bread. So they just complain about their food. They complain about their leaders. Even Aaron and Miriam Miriam will complain about their brother and Moses' leadership. And then they just complain, the people of God just complain about the general hardships they are facing. After all, this is no walk in the park. It's a walk in the desert, you see. But through all this grumbling and this lack of trust by God's people, you know what? The patience of God shines brightly through the wilderness wanderings. In Canberra, where I live, we have a fair number of public holidays, which is good. Uh, When I was growing up, Australia was often referred to overseas as the land of the long weekend. But for all our public holidays, I don't think we have one quite like the Finns do. Back in 2010, a group of Finnish Helsinki university students came up with the idea for a new public holiday uh, for their land. And so on October 13, each year in Finland, they celebrate Finland's National Day of Failure. Of course, such an idea came from uni students who were probably all failing at the time. Anyway, go to Finland and take your public holiday and celebrate Failure Day. And I suppose if you forget and you go to work that day, it just emphasises the point, doesn't it? Apparently, the purpose behind Failure Day, so I'm told, is to acknowledge past mistakes and failures and hopefully learn something from them. Uh, so you don't keep, you know, making the same mistakes, the same failures over and over again. It's not a bad concept when you think about, it. Oh, i gladly take that public holiday. The problem is, if this was the idea, if this idea was to be celebrated back in ancient Israel during the wilderness wanderings, you know what, there would be far too many public holidays needed to celebrate National Failure Day and nothing would get done because too many times, The people of Israel in the book of Numbers, they screw up and sadly, they don't seem to learn their lessons very often. So the Wilderness Wanderings book, the book of Numbers, could well be titled, subtitled National Failures on the Grandest Scale. And through all this, the patience, the kindness of Yahweh continues to flow and be seen. Fourthly, the promises of God, remember to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and now to Moses... And you know what? God will deliver on those promises. You could also sum up the book of Numbers like this. Despite Israel's unfaithfulness and sin, God remains faithful to his promises. And these themes of unfaithful Israel and, fa- and the faithful God, they'll run all the way through this story. Fifthly, finally, naturally, it's a book about the people of God. Israel are chosen by God and they will be central to the plans of God for redeeming the whole world. Remember back to Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3, the blessings to the nations. So as we travel along in the wilderness wanderings, we'll explore these five Ps more and more. And we'll discover the wonder of the New Testament, taking these Ps to a greater level, to a richer understanding and application through the Lord Jesus and his gospel. Well, the final question I want to raise in this intro Bible talk is what should we expect from Numbers? In other words, what do we do with it as we read it, as we hear it taught? Very simply, we see the Lord Jesus in this story and we are to see him at every turn in our journey. See, we must look for Jesus in this Old Testament book for he is surely present, even if it's not so obvious upon first reading but he is surely there, or at least being pointed to or alluded to. We know this because Jesus tells us how to read the book of Numbers and every other Old Testament book and genre. That is, we are to read it with one eye on the original setting and context and your other eye on its fulfilment in Jesus. Which doesn't mean you go cross-eyed reading your Bibles, But it does mean that we see the cross and the empty tomb, we see portraits of grace in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. We see him all the time. Remember what Jesus tells us, or rather he tells the confused disciples on the Emmaus Road as they're they're travelling along following Jesus' resurrection. Remember Luke 24 verses 25 to 27. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you foolish guys, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures concerning Himself. And then later on in the chapter in Luke 24, to His other disciples, verse 44 to 48, Then Jesus said, When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It's also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of these things." At my church, I sometimes bring out a visual aid, what I call Jesus glasses, as we study the Old Testament. They're just a simple pair of old sunglasses, a pair of sunnies with a white cross over the lens. And as we travel through the desert in this series, these Jesus glasses will come in handy, not only to block out the harsh rays of the sun, but also to enable you to see clearly Christ, even in the wilderness wanderings. The other thing we should expect from Numbers, the other thing we do with this part of Old Testament Scripture is look for New Testament clues to help us read and interpret and understand and apply God's Word to our lives. And there's no better place to go than 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 14, which is a part of the New Testament we'll return to often in this, in this series because the Apostle Paul will pick up on many stories that we'll read about in the wilderness wanderings. And he's showing us their value. He's showing us their application through the gospel. So let's pause now and let's hear Hannah read this passage to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 14.
0: For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overthrown you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry.
1: 1 Corinthians 10 tells us clearly what to do with the book of Numbers. These stories in the wilderness are written for our example. Now, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 10. Now these things were, took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. These stories in the wilderness wanderings are written for us as a warning. Verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Or verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he or she stands, ta- let them take heed lest they fall. And these uh, stories in the book of Numbers, in the wilderness, are written for our us and our exhortation or our encouragement. Verse 11, now these things happen to them as examples, but they were written down for our instruction, Paul writes, on whom the end of the ages has come. So Paul's point in recounting numbers, pardon the pun, uh, his point is to show us that the sins, the disobedience, in the church of Corinth are prefigured. They're like a prequel, if you like, to the sins or the disobedience we see in God's people in the wilderness many centuries before. And so we're to read, we're to hear Bible talks on the book of Numbers now as God's people in Christ and we read it for our example, our warning and exhortation that we might know Jesus deeper and follow him all the days of our journey. I like what one of my classmates from my more college days writes. Uh, Martin Bakula, who was converted to Christ out of Judaism in his teens, writes this. He says, the book of Numbers teaches us about the church on its journey to God's promised inheritance with nothing to hold on to, but the promises of God. So as God takes Moses and the people of Israel on this spil- uh, spiritual pilgrimage, God will teach his people many lessons about what trust and obedience looks like if he is to be their God and they his chosen people. And those lessons, you know, are for us as well to learn as we travel home to our promised land of eternity in Christ Jesus. Well, I know that today is just an intro Bible talk, but let me assure you that as I prepare these Bible talks for Meals for Maturity, my goal is to let God speak to your heart and mine in a life-shaping way. And so for each Bible talk to come, my prayer and my preparation will have these questions in mind. That is, how do we apply this Bible talk through the lens of the gospel or with our Jesus glasses on? And what difference will this part of God's Word mean for my life right now as a follower of Jesus. Well, until next time, keep walking by faith, maybe staying off the hot sand of any deserts, and travel well, always knowing God's presence is with you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.